You're listening to a teaching from Vintage Church LA. This week we're hearing from lead pastor Gare Jones. Amen. Amen. Good morning. We're going to dig straight into John chapter 6 this morning. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 6, otherwise it's going to be on the screen as we look at one of the most famous miracles of Jesus. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Now, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where are we gonna buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread just for everyone to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all, when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over. The fish was was too popular by those who had eaten. This miracle is one of the most important that Jesus did because it's the only miracle apart from the resurrection that is in all four gospels. And it's in all four gospels because Jesus is not just feeding 5,000 men plus the rest. But in so doing, he's showing us something profound. Profound about who he is and who we are. You see, Jesus is not simply doing a miracle. Many of Jesus' miracles, all of them were just acts of love and compassion, but some of them were meant to point to something about him and us. He was truth through miracle. And we know this about this miracle because that, that cryptic phrase at the very beginning where It said Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Jesus was going to perform a miracle in order to teach us something. And what we see straight away is, particularly if you were there in the first century, you would know exactly what Jesus is doing. Jesus is gathering a crowd outside of town in the middle of nowhere, providing miracle bread. What does that sound familiar of? You see, Moses in the Old Testament had been used by God to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt, going through the wilderness. In the middle of nowhere, they were hungry, and so God provided miracle bread. And Jesus is retelling that miracle through himself. 
He's repeating that miracle. There are aspects of continuity, but importantly, there are aspects of discontinuity where Jesus is telling us something more. The continuity, of course, is Jesus saying, look, I'm just like Moses. There was a prophecy in the Old Testament that there would be a better Moses, a divine Moses who would come and bring not just a certain people, but all of humanity out of slavery to sin and death and evil in the world. That this new Moses would deliver us from our ultimate enemies of life and bring us into a new community, a new family of God. And of course, that is what is going on here. Jesus is saying, I am the prophesied new Moses, the divine Moses to come and lead you out of slavery. Not just to a physical enemy, but to the slavery of sin and evil in the world and ultimately death. That you may come into a new life. Miracle bread. The new and better Moses. But significantly, there were discontinuities here, which Jesus goes further than saying, I'm just the prophesied Messiah. Discontinuities like there were bread and fish, not just bread, which scholars point to Jesus is now pushing further in his provision that there was bread and fish, not just bread. That there were 12 baskets left over. Do you remember in the miracle in the Old Testament, there was just enough food for everyone and that was it. Well, now there's abundance left over. That Jesus is saying, I've come with a greater promise of life and life in abundance. Life that is not just for you, but there's so much that it's enough now to share with others. I love that Jesus said, look, there's 12 baskets left over. Gather it, nothing is to be wasted. You guys are full, like full to the brim. But the point is there's more left because now let's go out and feed others. And then the 12 baskets representing the number 12, symbolically the 12 tribes of Israel. In other words, Jesus is saying, this is now the true people of God. That what was once in one nation is now available to everyone. That we can all be part of the family of God. Jesus has come to say, look, I'm now building my church. I'm freeing them from slavery. I'm forming them into a new community and I'm filling them up to overflow that they may not just discover my life, but now go out and feed the nations. Jesus is building his church. And at the very start of our community here at Vintage, we always knew that Jesus was gonna build this. That it's him, it's all about him. It's not about us, it's not about our clever strategy, it's not about production values, it's not about donuts, even though we love donuts. It's about Jesus. That in our best efforts, we can't feed anything. We've all just got five loaves and two fish. To see the kingdom of God come in Los Angeles, to see this church thrive is a work of Jesus. And over the last 12 years since we started, my wife and I moved here and planted vintage together, we've seen Jesus do his stuff. People say to me, what's the story of vintage? Give me highlights. And they're all the highlights of what Jesus has done even bringing us here, even bringing people to this little church, to then overflowing and planting two churches, to merging with the wonderful people of Trinity Baptist in this building. 
all of it has had the obvious fingerprints of Jesus on it. He is building his church. Even in the beautiful but crazy city of Los Angeles, he is building his church. He's freeing people, he's forming them, and he's filling them up to overflow. And of course, as we're looking at the year ahead together, I kinda wanna celebrate some of the things that we've seen him do just in the last six months. That the particular celebrations we've seen of our Sundays are bigger than ever. We've actually multiplied to three services just so we can make room for people to explore Jesus. Our kids and youth are bigger than ever. As we see our children raised in a wonderful environment to know Jesus and be people who love our city. Families are saying, I've more and more families are saying, we don't wanna leave LA. Why go to Nashville when we can stay in LA? Because we want to raise our kids in this environment of in the world, but not of it, where vibrant faith from zero to 18 and sent to college, not doubting in their faith, but established. We've got parent ministry, the nest and dad's group, which is thriving. Kingdom come tonight, amazing stories of God's presence invading this space. Our outreach on Thursday nights, every Thursday night, our outreach down to the homeless of our community and the Compton Initiative quarterly. Alpha, particular highlight of mine. This last Tuesday, we opened the door for the Alpha launch night. 500 people come in with 33 groups overflowing in this whole building. We, will, we, we could only fit like 25 groups in this room. We live streamed Alpha from here to eight other rooms across the building. I remember I was in a group down here in the front, group number 31, and then 32 was, we had to grab someone to quickly host group 32, and then eventually, Someone grabbed me and went, yeah, sorry, grabbed me out of a group at the balcony. There's 23 people without a host. So I ran up there and met the most beautiful 23 people to start this journey called Alpha together. God is doing something beautiful. It's the work of Jesus. I also think our finances are the work of Jesus. Since day one to today, Vintage continues to be completely debt-free, which is such a blessing in a city like Los Angeles. And the blessing of the renewal campaign that we did earlier this year, where pledges came in for over 9 million, that we can actually renovate the much needed work to this 1950s complex and invest in our kids and invest in our ministry to the city. That this building can thrive for another 70 years of gospel-centered ministry in the heart of Westside LA. Jesus has done something really special. He continues to to free us, to form us, and fill us to overflowing for the sake of the city. And as we begin the next kind of ministry calendar year, ministry year, I wanna just bring you into kind of some of what we feel the next chapter is. And particularly very identifiable next six months. These are the things that we feel that we are pushing into. First of all, strengthening all the ministries. God is doing so many things. But we recognize that we need to grow our pastoral care infrastructure. We have always been a family here at Vintage, not a congregation. We're a family and LA can be challenging and we wanna be there for each other. And so we're building out Kira and others members on staff here are building out our care team, our care structures, 
that we can feel supported and encouraged. Secondly, we're launching Vintage Communities, our main discipleship vehicle, with over 300 people trying to join right now, more groups online for you to get involved with. College Young Adult Group, they expected, I think like 50 or 60, they had, I think something like a million show up. It was, it was, it was amazing. Uh, and then we're launching Vintage South Bay, so we're getting the team ready. We're so excited last week, if you weren't here, to announce like the first member of our staff team. We're investing our best. And so Sammy, our worship director, will be heading down with Vintage South Bay next year to be part of that core team to plant Vintage South Bay. And we are continuing but growing in being a national alpha training church where pastors and their teams fly in from around America to learn uh, about how to really see alpha used to help a city explore Jesus. We've got people flying in from Australia as well now to come and learn. So God is up to something. Jesus is building his church. Jesus is on the move. But there's one number seven, which I want to draw attention to, which is another thing we're doing is we've got to grow our team. We have to grow the team vintage in order to participate with God in feeding the multitudes. This is one of the most overlooked aspects and theological truths of this miracle. One of the biggest discontinuities which Jesus is pointing to from Moses and miracle manna to Jesus and miracle bread is how it was done. You see, Jesus didn't do what God did in the Old Testament. I think God looked at the people in the wilderness and went, you guys are so tired, just sit down. I'll just get, I'll just float some bread down. And sometimes I just feel like that, don't you? Oh God, I'm just too tired, right? But that is not the normative way that God works in the world. All the way back from Genesis chapter one and two, he says, you're not here to watch, you're here to participate. You're not here to consume, you're here to contribute. That's how, what it means to be made in the image of God is that we join with him to outwork his kingdom in the world, which is why in Genesis one and two, there's all these commands, go and multiply, go and do this, go and do this. We were meant to co-rule with Jesus, to see his kingdom come together. And so that's why in the miracle of the 5,000 in John chapter six, Jesus doesn't say, oh my gosh, guys, watch, just sit, that, sit back and do nothing. In fact, he does the opposite. He says to Philip and his disciples, what are we gonna do? To which they go, what's the we all of a sudden? We have no money. And I think Andrew rightly just goes, we only have five loaves and two fish. In other words, Jesus, you gotta do something. And of course, he doesn't go, yes, five loaves and two fish, that's not enough. In fact, he does what's always been promised in Genesis 1 and 2, give me what you have. Lay down and offer your lives, your time, your talent, and your treasure, and join with me and I will pour my anointing, I'll pour my blessing, I'll pour my power through you to meet the need. Jesus is pointing here very clearly to he is restricting his sovereignty to use his people to see his kingdom come. It's not a spectator sport. It's taking our loaves and fishes and saying, God, this is what we have. And he goes, that's all I'm asking. And he gives thanks for them and says, watch what we'll do. 
It took me a while to understand um, what it means to balance God's awesome sovereignty and his will and our insignificance and our feeble attempts in the world. And I would oscillate between two extremes. On the one extreme, I'd sometimes go, hey, it's all God, nothing to do with me, right? It's all God. He's sovereign, which he is. But that would put me in a place of spectator. It's all God. Or sometimes I'd go into a different kind of church sometimes and go, oh my gosh, it's all down to us. We've got to tell people. We've got to pray for people. We've got to intercede. It's all down to us. And I would oscillate between anxiety and stress and laziness and Netflix. (laughs) Seriously, depending on my theology of the sovereignty of God and our free will, it would either be all God and I become lazy or all us and I become a nervous wreck. But of course, this miracle is showing neither. This miracle is showing the perfect integration of God does the work. Only he can feed 5,000. But he says, come on, come on. I want to use your loaves and fish. This rang, this came home to me in a really profound way through just a lived example of my own life with my daughter, Amy. We lived in Vancouver, Canada. And if you know Vancouver, a beautiful city. And part of the why, why we love it so much and got frustrated so much at times was they banned electric and gas motor, uh, lawnmowers. And so we had to use these old, rusty kind of rotary blade mowers and we were pretty poor as a student so I went out and got one second hand and it was heavy and it was heavy and I remember mowing this lawn and I could push it but it was heavy and I remember one day I was about to mow the lawn and my little daughter Amy ran out in a pink onesie I think she was how old three four something like that she could talk so that's three or four ish Um, and she came out and said daddy 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 can I mow the lawn with you? And I gotta say, at first I thought, no. No, it's gonna take forever. I wanna get this done as quick as I, as I can, but I thought, no. Like a dad, I wanna do this together. Let's do this together. So I said, okay, come over here, Amy. And uh, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, you stand on my feet and um, Look, lift your little hands up and then ha- hang on to the handlebar here. And then I thought, I don't want you to fall into the blade. So I'll put my hands on your hands and grip tight. So your feet are on my feet, your hands are on my feet. And we're going to do this together. Now, I knew she couldn't budge this an inch. But I wanted to do it together. So I said to her, look, okay, I can feel your hands under mine. And when you push, I'll push. When you stop... I'll stop, because I want to do it together. So I went, let's go. And I could sense underneath my hands, this little three-year-old girl start to push in her little onesie. And, off we, and I pushed, and off we went. And after a while, she stopped, and I stopped and said, hey, Amy, let's do it together. She went, okay. And so we pushed, and after about six weeks, we finished mowing the lawn. <laughs> and I remember at the very end, she ran inside and said, mom, mom. I mowed the lawn with dad. And half of me went, we did. Half of me went, well, I think I mowed the lawn actually. <laughs> but here's the thing, we mowed the lawn together. She couldn't move it an inch. You can't move the kingdom of God forward an inch. It's the work of Jesus. 
but he's restricted himself to do it through you. And often and mostly through the little remnants of loaves and fish that we have. That's how he moves forward his kingdom. It's through his church. It's through me and you going, this is the time I have. These are the resources I have. And when we give our resources to God, who knows what he's going to do? Far beyond what you can imagine. I remember going to a conference in Florida early this year, an alpha conference, and I bumped into someone I hadn't seen since they were in vintage, and they'd left vintage, they'd moved away many years. 2017, Kira, who I met in Florida, bumped into her. She'd come to an alpha course in 2017 here at Vintage. She'd come into my group, I was co-leading it with Melissa, who's now married and left as well. Um, and I remember that course, Melissa really befriended Kira and took her out for coffee. And Melissa um, really loved her. Kira was not a Christian, very spiritual, like very LA, all roads lead to God, um, etc. And very skeptical about things. And then I didn't know what happened to Kira after the alpha course. I said, Kira, what happened? Uh, in Florida, I said, what happened? So she told me and said, look, Go online and my story is in Christianity Today. I went, what? So I did. In an article called, hang on, it's called, I went to Hollywood to make my own music. Now I make a joyful noise to the Lord. This is her story. I've abbreviated it. From the outside, my life looked great. I was living in a trendy area in Santa Monica, California and enjoying a fantastic job as one of the top vocal coaches in Los Angeles. With almost a decade of experience at the highest levels of the music industry, I'd worked with major label and top 40 artists as well as hit TV shows like The Voice and Glee, and clients regularly flew in from around the world. And after almost 20 years of spiritual seeking, I truly believed I had attained higher levels of consciousness than most people. I believed there were many roads to God and my thoughts were awash with love and light and other positive thinking mantras. However, when I really looked at my life, I knew something was missing. Despite all my spiritual knowledge, I repeatedly ended up in failed relationships and struggled to find true purpose. She then talks a lot about going through a period of darkness in her life. Then she gets to this. So I began attending a local church in Santa Monica, asking God to reveal himself and asking he would bring me out of darkness. I attended a course called Alpha for non-believers who were curious about Christianity. I asked a ton of questions and I read multiple books and eventually I was ready to finally surrender my life to Jesus. As a new Christian, I prayed that God would show me how to use my musical, musical gifts for the sake of his kingdom. And since I put my faith in Jesus, God has redeemed everything that was lost in my life. He's freed me from the prison of my selfishness, rescued me from darkness, and brought me into this glorious light. He has given my life new purpose, equipping me to serve his kingdom and glorify his name with music. There is no greater joy. Praise God for what he does. That is Melissa going, okay, I'll give up a few Tuesday nights to host an alpha group. My five loaves and two fish, this is what God's gonna do. So we're inviting you today 
to what I call join Team Vintage. To join in with Team Vintage as we grow that team to join with Jesus in what he's doing. He's waiting for us all to participate. We're growing our staff team right now to participate. There's a few things on the screen here, just so you know, this is where we're growing. We're, we're trying to find two more assistant pastors. Sammy going down to South Bay means we have to try and fill his shoes with a worship pastor here. We're adding two more board members. Uh, John Mark starts as our teacher in residence. But most importantly and fundamentally, we need you. We need you to be part of Team Vintage. We need you to be like the, the boy, to go, okay, I'm in. I'm not just gonna watch, I'm not just gonna spectate, but I'm in. See, in this cultural moment, consumption is how we are trained. Feeding ourselves and consuming as opposed to contributing is how we're discipled in our city. But of course, that is not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, as you contribute, I will bless it and multiply my kingdom. But the problem is in the church, it's often not in line with Jesus saying, let's all contribute, but sadly, I can feel it in my heart sometimes to consume. As one person put it, the church is often like a football game. Where 80,000 fans are desperately in need of exercise are watching 22 people desperately in need of a rest. <laughs> now, I love being a fan, right? I love being a fan. Because I get to go to the game and watch and be entertained. And love what's going on. And in fact, I go, that's my team. And I can look like the team, I can wear the jersey, I can even wear the face paint, I can look like the team, but ultimately I'm not on the team. I can go to church and go, that's my church. I can bring people. I can celebrate it on social media, but I'm being a fan, but Jesus is saying, I didn't actually create you to be a fan. Come down and be part of the team. This is the great privilege of this young boy's experience of being part of the team and seeing what he had to offer live out into a testimony that has changed his life forever. I remember one pastor received a letter once from a congregation member and it said, dear pastor, there are 566 members in our church but 100 are frail and elderly. That leaves 466 to do all the work. However, 80 of these are young people away at college. That leaves 386 to do all the work. However, of these, 150 of them are tired businessmen and women, so that leaves 236 to do all the work. 150 are stay-at-home parents with children. That leaves 86 to do all the work. And there are 46 of these who have other important interests. This leaves a grand total of 40 people to do all the work. But 15 live too far away to come regularly leaving 25 to do all the work. 23 of them say they're too tired and they've done their part. So pastor, that leaves you and me. And frankly, I'm exhausted, so it's all down to you. This is Team Vintage Sunday. God doesn't need you, but he wants to use you. 
restricting his sovereignty to go. I want to use it through you. So you have a testimony and part of the joy of seeing your life change other lives. This is the invitation to lay down and to offer, okay, I'm going to give my time, my talent, and my treasure. I'm going to be like that small boy. I can't imagine like that small boy going home to say to mum, mum, you never guessed what happened to my lunch. She goes, well, I hope you ate it. No, I gave it to this man. What, a man stole your lunch? No, he multiplied it. He took my lunch. My lunch. My lunch was used to feed over probably 15,000 people. And I still ate as much as I wanted. God used my lunch, which probably a good mum would say, well, actually, I'm, I made that lunch. <laughs> he used my lunch, really. But sure, he could have just eaten his lunch and he would have felt fed. And God's given you many blessings which you could consume, sure. But you will miss out on being used by God to change lives, change communities, change cities, change nations by going, no, I want to use what I have to place in the hands of Jesus that I will still be fed, but when my life's in his hands, we will feed multitudes. Team Vintage is simply meaning this. It's an invitation for everyone to serve and everyone to give. Everyone to serve and everyone to give. I love our teams on Sunday and throughout the week. Team Vintage is the most beautiful. I mean, our worship team, our donut team, our kids and youth team, our people hosting small groups, people running Alpha, people going out and organizing outreach across the city. Do you see what the people of God are doing? And God filling that. And we want you to be part. We have so much more to do as people go, I'm part of the team. I want to be part of the team. We have teams on Sunday that you can be a part of. We're actually asking everyone to think about what team you can be on Sunday so that we can together welcome the city to explore Jesus. Now with multiple services, you can serve one and attend one. And there are many other non-Sunday things that you can also do according to your gifts. Hosting, serving, cooking, teaching, leading worship, going out on mission, entrepreneurs group, vocational and non-vocational, all sorts of stuff. Be part of the team. It's also everyone giving. I grew up very skeptical about churches talking about money. Anybody like me? Really skeptical. I remember the day, I don't criticize anyone, but I do remember the day, this kind of, I thought something's wrong here. We were taking an offering for someone's private plane. I was going, 